Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, December 5th. Friday was our annual Pledge Day in support of the Calgary Children's Foundation. We check in with Chair of the Board, John Voss, to get an update on just how incredibly generous Calgarians were during this year's Radiothon. Could it be that certain foods may present a risk for addiction in the same way alcohol and tobacco do? We'll discuss the findings of a new study with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Suicide rates among Canadian men are three times higher than Canadian women. Fellas, it's time to speak up and buddy up for suicide prevention. Akash Asif, Strategy and Operations Director at the Centre for Suicide Prevention and Lead for Buddy Up, joined us to discuss the program and the need. Hockey Canada's 2021-2022 discrimination report has been released. It outlines over 900 cases of on-ice discrimination in the past year alone. We caught up with Laura Robinson, award-winning filmmaker, author and journalist, to talk about the report and the controversy plaguing the organization. And on this Motivational Monday, we chatted with meditation teacher and hip-hop musician Ofosu Jones-Corty about his new book called Love Your Amazing Self and his unique way of teaching us about mindfulness. You're listening to Mornings with Sue and Andy on 770 CHQR. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That it is, and Friday was the most wonderful day of the year. Of course, it was our pledge day, all in support of the Calgary Children's Foundation. Thank you to everyone who stepped up and helped us. Joining us this morning with an update, John Voss, chair of the Calgary Children's Foundation. Boy, what a day Friday was. Hey, how perfect to... uh to pick Andy Williams uh, and that song. It was a, a really great day. And, you know, I heard you talking a bit earlier this morning, Sue, about sort of the generosity of people mm-hmm. and how they so consistently step up. And and they did, again, on Friday during our 12-hour radiothon. So we finished the day at just a little over 200K. And through the course of the weekend, another $15,000 wow. came in. So we're, we're just shy of 215. And, you know, people continue to give i know they will and now it's it's the good part right it's the good part of finding those charities and there's a lot in mm-hmm. calgary that need a hand need a, a, a piece of funding to help them do and continue to do the things that they do so other like less than 25 charities we helped last year sounds like less than 25 sounds like it's hardly any it's yeah. a ton right it is a ton. but of those groups most of them you know they didn't have big asks and uh i'd say about Eight or ten of them are repeat. They've continued to just do the small work that they do. Mm-hmm. And so that part's really quite gratifying, right, to continue to help them along the way. And then, of course, you know, if you listened at all yesterday on, uh, or on Friday about some of the stories, the, the people that are helped, you think about... Uh, Safe Haven Foundation, and you think about the Alberta Adolescent Recovery, yeah. Recovery Center, you go, okay, yeah, this, this is the right spot to put some funding mm-hmm. and some help. So it was really quite a great day. I love hearing the stories of those people who were helped by the charity themselves and then give of their time. They either work for or volunteer with these organizations once they've sort of gone through the programs themselves because they understand how crucial they are, right? It, and a, a number of them have sort of that peer setup mm-hmm. where the charity helps them and then those individuals help somebody else. And so it's that that quintessentially paying for the idea of you get help, then I'm going to help somebody else and on and on and on. So those kind of things, when they, they, they come across our desk and we 
we screen them and then bring it uh, to the board in early spring. Those are the ones that go, oh yeah, this one, this one fits yeah. the bill quite nicely. And so you say, yeah, we'll, we'll help with that for sure. And it can be something very small. I know we talked about, you know, one, uh, I think it was the past year that, you know, one young boy in a wheelchair, we sort of revamped his bathroom so that he could wheel his chair and, and have a proper shower. So how do you and the board choose the charities that are recipients of the money? Um, simplicity is really part of the equation. You know, the things that the groups that are doing, doing the work in the community that really don't have a ton of sophistication to raise money. But then we look at, we dive pretty deep, you know, we get a lot of applicants and we, uh, part of the process is they, they share their financials. And so we know whether they're sitting on a pile of cash or they've got a ton of resources that really they don't need our 7,000 bucks. They're just fine. Thank you. And then once we look at that, we also then look at what's the story that we can share with the community. And uh, what is their level of ability to go out and, and raise funds? And more often than not, they're just so busy. They're like, you know, riding a unicycle, continually <laughs> juggling bowling pins, you know, that they hardly have the time to go knocking on doors and saying, hey, we, we need $4,000. We need eight. $18,000, whatever the case may be. So those kind of things we're, we're drawn to pretty quickly. It's powerful. It was a beautiful yeah. day. Yeah, it was. Calgary and area stepped up, came through huge yet again. I don't even know why we ever doubt it. I know. It happens know. year after it, year. It's true. It's and it blows true. our socks off. Uh, donations still uh, available to make at calgarychildrensfoundation.com. So yeah. the website is there. And can charities go then and register themselves? If, if yeah. So um, we'll, uh, as I say, early in the spring, reach out and say, if you uh, on the radio station, we'll say, hey, apply here. You can apply through the website. I'm not sure if that link is is open right now okay, so, uh, so it we flip it on at a certain point when we start to actively solicit uh applicants okay. and once that happens and it's a it's a set process you fill in all the different fields you do it right on the website it's okay. it's pretty slick we're close to it let's try and go over that two hundred and fifteen thousand dollar mark yeah. what we did yeah. was amazing thank you again okay. to calgary yeah. and uh, calgarychildrensfoundation.com there's a little donate button right at the top push it, it donate help us out thank you okay. again good thanks john the issue of addiction when it comes to drugs, alcohol, and tobacco, I mean, it's been understood and acknowledged for decades among all of us, including healthcare professionals. But according to a new study, we can add one more culprit to the list, highly processed foods. To talk about this new research, we're joined this morning by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. Highly processed foods addictive. Tell us a little bit about the study. Well, this was very interesting. It was looking at what is the risk of eating highly processed foods. Uh, if we, and what, do, what does that mean? Highly processed foods are where there really isn't a whole lot of whole foods. These are foods that are purposely made to put a lot of uh, high carbohydrates or sugars, fats, salts, just rammed in there. They typically have more than five ingredients. So this is the food where you look on the package and it, it has a list of 25 different ingredients and it's made to get this into you real, real quick. And what do we find out? That the, the rates of cancer, the rates of obesity, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular risk, GI risk are as high as smoking. So wow. it's as bad as smoking. And the whole study, their conclusion was we need to label foods. These are junk foods. Let's put it clear and simple. This is essentially all the junk foods should be labeled as such with a warning that these could cause you the same amount of death as, as cigarettes would or how we label cigarettes. Wow. Okay, so we're talking processed foods, 
is it for the most part packaged foods? Is it all junk foods or is it some of the so-called you know, meal kits or that sort of thing that you might get on the grocery store shelves as well. Uh, so, so there are there are whole foods, which are there's essentially one ingredient, and then there's processed foods where you might combine a few things, and that would be more that meal kit idea. The highly processed foods are essentially the junk foods. These okay. are packaged. These are. Uh, I think we all know what they are, and, and they are highly addictive uh, because they taste fantastic, and they're uh, and that's the problem. The the companies have figured out how to how to package things in a in a way that makes them extremely uh, uh, difficult to resist once you get started. So, is it the sugar or is it the chemicals we're becoming addicted to, Doctor J? It, it, it's a little bit of both. So it's very highly processed sugar. So the sugars come in very, very quickly, but it's also the other chemicals that are thrown into the mix. And it's a little bit of the mixture of all of that that makes this a problem. It isn't just the sugar. It isn't just the fat or the salt. It's sort of how it's all put together and refined in a way that you're sort of getting the whole the whole package all in one. So I think uh, those added chemicals have always been suspect as being problematic. It's pretty really disgusting that, you know, companies know what they're doing, know they're doing it purposefully to get us addicted to spend our money so they make the money in return. So, I mean, what what's the answer? Is it like, is it a low-carb diet? Is it we just try to stay away from junk food? Because that's almost impossible for people. Well, and that's it. And I, I guess the other thing, when we look at different, uh, like we look at U.S., uh, US studies, they're saying that some of our youth are taking 67% or more of their calories just through highly processed foods. So the, the, the majority of their diet is just this. And this is a setup for disaster when we're talking about particularly type 2 uh, diabetes, which is clearly on the rise. So I guess we have to tone it down. We have to start recognizing this isn't just, um, you know, that you can eat this food and there's no bad outcome. And, and we call it junk food for for a good reason. Uh, so I guess it's a labeling as a thought and like we need to eat healthier foods for the vast majority of time. We want to treat ourselves with something, uh, even be careful with that. Again, because of the highly addictive nature of this, it might not just be a treat. It might be something now we crave and start, start to, we can't break that habit. And uh, that can be in very intelligent people who mm-hmm. do struggle with, say, diabetes or struggle with uh, cardiovascular disease who cannot stop eating foods that they know they shouldn't be eating. I, I like to think that I'm somewhat intelligent and I swear I'm addicted to chocolate. So I, I, I fully get that. But it's something we need to be aware of. You only have one life, right? So time to start paying attention to what we're putting in our mouths if we haven't been already, correct? Absolutely. And it's a great time to talk about it before Christmas when this just where everything gets ramped up uh, and it's even easier to get this type of food. Thank you so much, Dr. J. Always appreciate chatting with you. Okay, you betcha. Thank you so much. Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Suicide rates among Canadian men are three times higher than Canadian women. Fellas, it's time to speak up and buddy up for suicide prevention. Joining us to discuss is Akash Asif, who is the Strategy and Operations Director of the Centre for Suicide Prevention and the lead for Buddy Up. Good morning to you, Akash. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me today. Thanks for joining us. Super important that we talk about this and vocalize this and get it out in the open. Tell us first off, what is Buddy Up? Tell us about the program. Absolutely. So in Canada, we know that uh, men, like you mentioned, are dying by suicide three times more often. And it's specifically middle-aged men who die by suicide more than anyone else. So in 2020, Centre for Suicide Prevention launched Buddy Up, which is our campaign really designed 
to promote authentic conversations among men and their buddies there. So really the campaign is focusing on help offering behavior. And what I mean by that is it's targeting the community and friends of someone who may be considering suicide. So it's making it easier. It's about the people around that individual. So with the tagline, how are you really doing? What we've developed with Buddy Up is different cartoon-like illustrated characters who each have their own unique story. That helps the campaign be a bit more approachable and relatable. And then alongside these characters, if we are asking men and the community to help, we've developed a four-step conversation guide for how men can support their buddies. Why are suicide rates so much higher for men than women? Is it because we women were just sort of better at hanging out together and maybe and sharing how we feel? And, and guys, it's still not okay to do that, perhaps? Or felt yeah. that that's the way it is? Because it certainly shouldn't be. It, it, it certainly is for men, for instance. I mean, I know that uh, growing up, even uh, even myself, I heard things like boys don't cry or uh, or grow up here and things like that. And there's expectation for a lot of, a lot of men out there that... Uh, that will just persevere through adverse situations. We'll just chug along, and that weakness will really diminish our manlyhood. So, due to these expectations, men are often less likely to seek out help when they are struggling. And then, as we get older, we prioritize, let's say, financial and career success. And when that's happening with around us, typically what that leads to is there's fewer people, fewer people around us who are there to um, ask for help if we are needing it as well as few people around us who can offer help as well there. So absolutely, that expectation of not uh, not diminishing your manlyhood is certainly a factor in it. Akash, tell us a little bit about the Build Up and Buddy Up info session this week. How do men get involved? How can men take part? Absolutely. So the Buddy Up campaign takes place year-round. So it is a year-round campaign that uh, has activities to really promote connection and drive organic conversations. So this uh, this right now we're in our one week long mini campaign called Build Up, and Build Up happens from December fifth to the eleventh here, so till the end of the week here, and it really focuses on working on a project with the buddies. So you don't have to be a man to participate, for instance, but maybe it's a friend, family member, teammate, colleague, because really some of our most authentic conversations and deepest connections happen while we're shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. with others. So whether it's working on a home improvement project, making a snowman taking a pottery class or doing our featured activity for this year, which is around building a gingerbread house. It's all about driving that connection and that hopefully that connection leads to organic conversations. So you can learn more about the campaign at buddyup.ca to sign up as an individual or as a company organization to help us raise awareness. That's where you can get more information about the information session that's happening on Wednesday, as well as just additional tools and resources such as free swag for your group in the form of posters, stickers, and card refreshers. Awesome. So lots of ways to stay connected and just work on projects with each other to, uh, to hopefully drive organic conversations. Love it. Thanks so much, Akash. Really appreciate it. Akash Office is Strategy and Operations Director at the Centre for Suicide Prevention. The lead for Buddy Up, it's buddyup.ca. You can also go to suicideinfo.ca. And very importantly, if you know someone who's thinking about suicide, if you're contemplating suicide, you can call one 456 Four five six six. Hockey Canada's 2021-2022 discrimination report has been released. It outlines over 900 cases of on-ice discrimination in the past year alone. Joining us to talk about the report and the controversy plaguing the organization is Laura Robinson, award-winning filmmaker, author, and journalist. Good morning to you, Laura. Thanks for your time this morning. My pleasure. This is 
pretty shocking. This is one year alone and more than 900 cases of on-ice discrimination. Now, not that it really matters, but what are we talking about here in terms of the types of discrimination that have been reported in this? Well, first of all, I think it's important to say that these are only the ones that were reported. I, I, I believe in, in many parts of Canada, people are still too afraid to uh, report uh, harassment and abuse um, because they are in a minority. So uh, it can be everything from very serious offenses, although if it's serious, I believe the report says, you know, that's in a separate category. So it, it would be important to know where Hockey Canada determines that line. But we all know, because we read uh, the news, uh, that you know, for years and years, Indigenous players um, gay players, lesbian players, black players, they've had to endure, uh, you know, terrible uh, uh, taunts and other acts of discrimination just as soon as they step near a hockey arena. Mm-hmm. Is this all levels we're talking and boys, girls, everything? Well, from what I read in the report, 99% of the cases involve male players, uh, at least male players being, or male Men being men and boys being the perpetrators of the alleged offense or harassment, which you know, I mean, obviously, you know, and maybe unfortunately, there are still more male players Mm -hmm. in hockey than there are females. So you would expect that that number would be higher, but it's not. There aren't ninety nine. For every female player, there aren't ninety nine male players. I believe there's fewer than that, right? So. it does seem to still be that toxic masculinity that is allowed to flourish. And perhaps that, you know, women are sadly almost getting immune to it and just don't report it as much. So is this discrimination report something they do annually or is this a response to all the controversy that Hockey Canada has been facing of late? Uh, I understand that this is the first year Hockey Canada has um, has published uh, a report such as this mm-hmm. and that they... Uh, decided in their 2021 AGM that they would keep track and you know I mean I know I've I cover a lot of indigenous sport uh, it's de rigueur for indigenous hockey players to have to endure these kinds of uh, discriminate discriminatory uh, actions I know you've also you you authored a book back in 1998 crossing the line sexual assault in Canada's national sport now you know I, I so obviously this is something that you've delved into a lot over the years does this report give you know a true picture of the discrimination we see in hockey specifically or do you think it goes a heck of a lot deeper than this it does go a lot deeper I mean good for hockey Canada for publishing this report where's the report from all the other sports you know i've always said uh as you watch who walks into the stadium at every olympics especially the winter olympics where are the indigenous athletes Mm -hmm. where are the uh uh black athletes uh um you know without there are certain sports where it's uh you know i remember uh being in high school and having a lot of kids coming to our school from the caribbean and they brought with them the tradition of track and field. Uh, so we do see uh, a number of, of black athletes in track and field. But, you know, go over to beach volleyball. Go over to swimming. Yeah. You know, go to cross-country skiing. What have we not been doing in order to um, ensure that all athletes 
are welcomed into all sports. So I think that the other sports need to also be looking at what Hockey Canada has has released. 100%. We know discrimination is not just happening in hockey for sure. And, uh, you know, I wish we had more time because the House of Commons Status of Women Committee is hearing from female athletes right now who've been abused by male coaches. We might have to check in with you again and get a little update on that coming up. But thank you so much for for delving into this report and, and breaking it down for us a bit this morning. Appreciate your time. Uh, you're very welcome. And could I just mention that Global Athlete Today released a video about uh, asking for a national judicial inquiry, and I've sent it to your producer. So hopefully, hopefully we will move forward on that. Would love to break that down with you. Thanks so much, Laura. Appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you, Laura Robinson, award-winning filmmaker, author, and journalist. On this Motivational Monday, we welcome meditation teacher, hip-hop musician, and author of the new book, Love Your Amazing Self, Afosu Jones-Cordy. Good morning, Afosu. Thanks so much for being with us. Hi, good morning. So wonderful to be here. Appreciate your time. A beautiful new book, Love Your Amazing Self. In it, you offer up sort of your take on self-love and mindfulness. Tell us a little bit about the book and, and the inspiration behind it. This is a book that is really born out of years of working with young people, my own experience uh, growing up, uh, my challenges with mental health and self-acceptance, um, and my experience as a father. And, uh, and then in the format it's written in, it's connected to my roots as a hip-hop artist. So lots of different intersecting points, but really all of them arriving at a place that I'm hoping to encourage young people to develop a habit of um, resilience and, uh, and happiness through self-love and kindness. And for the adults who are sharing this with their young people to perhaps examine how they're relating to themselves and to uh, maybe make some adjustments to be more kind to the way that we talk to ourselves and the way we treat ourselves. Never a bad thing. Now, you mentioned the format of it. It is very different, and I think that's a great way to speak to younger people. They don't want to read the same things that their parents or their grandparents read. So tell us a little bit of background on that sense. You know, I I have a background as both uh, an educator in mindfulness and meditation and as a hip-hop artist, Um, and I really wanted to bring those two backgrounds together um, in the way that this book is written. Um, It's beautifully illustrated by a wonderful Mm -hmm. artist named Ndubisi Okoye, and the lyrical meditations, as they are sometimes called, are really using rhyme and rhythm as a way, and and wordplay as a way to um, highlight the ideas in the book, uh, whether we're talking about gratitude or um, just loving yourself for who you are, practicing mindfulness, etc. I, I think that um, rhythm and verse are wonderful ways to communicate uh, messages and, uh, and, and so I've tried to apply that here. I love it. Maybe we'll get you to do that. One of your, uh, your lyrical meditations for us a little later, if you would, but I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, a quote out of, um, psychology today, you know, talking about self-appreciation being a super important skill. Why do you think self-appreciation, self-love, self-kindness, however you want to call it, why do you think it's so key and something for the younger set to start learning really early in life? I think that self-appreciation, self-love, self-compassion, self-kindness, these are the founding and the foundations and the building blocks for a happy life. I think that no matter what it is that we achieve in our individual lives, if 
if self-acceptance is missing, if if a healthy relationship with ourselves isn't established, then the happiness that we are seeking is never truly going to be there. So for me, introducing this idea that you should consider yourself in, in, as, as worthy of love and compassion, and not just from others, but primarily from yourself, um, as, as, a, as a way to go through life, if I can inspire young people to think about themselves in a positive way early on, then when those inevitable um, inner voices start to creep up that can be very critical, and when the messaging from the outside world, whether that's social media, family members, friends, etc., when all of these things conspire to tell us that we are not enough, that we'll have messaging inside us, we'll have uh, a kind inner voice that's already established that can remind us that we are enough. What does that look like to you or sound like to you? What do you wish that you had maybe as, as an inner voice in your head when you were young and growing up? I wish that I could have developed a skill of talking to myself the way that I would talk to a friend or a loved one whenever they were having a hard time. And that's a, a lot of times that's how I try to frame the practice of self-compassion. In, these, in, in this book, there are so many beautiful uh, images and, uh, and fun reminders of why we are worthy of our own love and compassion. And putting it into practice really looks like developing a friendship relationship with ourselves. So I'll often ask people to check in with how they're doing mentally, physically, emotionally, and based on how they're feeling in the present moment, if a best friend or loved one was feeling exactly how you're feeling right now, what would you say to them? And you can say those same things to yourself. So a lot of times for me, it, it self, the practice of self-compassion, self-kindness, et cetera, begins with how we talk to ourselves, mm-hmm. noticing if we are being overly self-critical, noticing if we're putting ourselves down, noticing if we've got some beliefs that are not in line with reality, and then bringing up a positive inner voice to provide another perspective, to tell us that things are going to be okay, that all is not lost, that you are enough, and uh, and to offer yourself some love and some kindness in the present moment. So important because we are our own most harsh critics, aren't we? Exactly, exactly. And we, and nobody, and we tend to judge ourselves as if we should have life figured out more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, None of us really know how to do this. We're all learning and figuring it out as we go along. And this is true from our inception all the way to, you know, the end. So uh, to hold ourselves to such a, an impossible standard is really unfair. And I think um, we don't hold our friends to those standards. We don't hold our family members or pets or anything like that. You know, we don't hold them to that same harsh criticism. So why should we do that to ourselves? Could you treat us to one of your shorter lyrical meditations so we can kind of get an idea of of what you might be doing with the book? Yeah, absolutely. Here's one about being true to yourself. (laughs) It's called Be True to Yourself. Say the words you want to say. Say them how you say them. Play the games you want to play. Play them how you play them. The world has its ideas of who you are, but you don't need them. To be the person who you really are inside is freedom. Be honest with yourself about the way you really feel so you can speak with confidence and know it's really real. 
close your eyes and listen to the voice inside your heart, then everything you think and say and do will be your art. Be true to who you are. Say, I'm proud of who I am. And if they don't get you at first, one day they'll understand. I love it. Thank you so much. And if folks recognize your voice, they might be listening to that mindfulness app, Balance. You're one of the male voices on there. So that's why maybe you sound familiar to folks. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your time on this Motivational Monday. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Love Your Amazing Self is available everywhere, and I hope you all enjoy it. What's your website, Afosu? BornIMusic.com. That's B-O-R-N, the letter I music.com and you can find the book and my music and everything else there Afosu Jones Corti thank you so much meditation teacher hip hop musician and author of the beautiful new book Love Your Amazing Self thanks for joining us thanks for having me 